basic part of Christianity. But I've realized, you know, maybe it's just me, but I've realized it's something I don't focus on quite enough. And uh, as I thought about all the Jesus habits we've been through so far, I couldn't help but notice how crucial faith is to each and every one of them. You know, if you want to make a habit of prayer in your life, you've got to have faith that God hears you, right? If you want to make the Jesus habit of seclusion a habit in your life, you know, you've got to have faith that your time is better spent with God than anywhere else. You know, if, if you want to make fasting a habit, you've got to have faith that God's going to honor your sacrifice. And, you know, whether it's embracing the mission, you know, whether it's quo, it's going to take great faith to embrace these habits in your life. And you may be thinking, well, Jacob, faith is simple, right? Hey, I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe he's the Son of God. He came down and died for my sins. You know, I would tell you, that's not faith. That's just knowledge. You know, true faith means that not only is Jesus your Savior, but he's also your Lord. Okay? You know, true faith means that not only is the Bible the Word of God, but it's the user manual for your life. True faith not only acknowledges that Jesus laid down his life for you, but it means you've laid down your life for him. And so, brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to say is we really need to redefine what faith is this morning. Because Christianity and our society has so watered down what real faith really is. And my hope is that today, as we look at Jesus, we can really return to a radical faith in our lives. Let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 26. You know, if you want to see someone's true faith, you've got to catch them in their time of greatest need. And for Jesus, I believe this was in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, the first point this morning is to have faith in God's will. You know, no matter how many times you've read this verse before, you've got to admit that Jesus' faith in God's plan is amazing. You know, he trusted that whatever God wanted was the absolute best. And in fact, not only was God's plan the best, but honestly, it was the only plan. 
If you want to imitate Jesus' faith, you've got to embrace God's will for your life, even when it doesn't make sense. You know, true faith lets God take control. It's being content with God knowing things that you don't know. You don't need all the information to have faith, right? If, it, if you did, again, that would be knowledge, not faith. You know, true faith can put you in some pretty scary situations. You know, does everybody know what a trust fall is? Have you heard of a trust fall? So it's where, okay, you close your eyes, fall backwards, and the, the person behind you is supposed to catch you. And uh, I was on the on- online the other day, and uh, I found uh, this, this new type of trust fall. And uh, let's play a, a video. Oh, now that's a lot of trust, right? You talk about faith. That girl had some amazing faith. (laughs) Pretty amazing. You know, brothers and sisters, our faith in God has got to be like a trust fall. You know, we've got to just fall back and surrender to God's will for our lives instead of our own. However, you know, sometimes I think, I think we can look back and it starts looking a little scary, right? You know, life gets hard and trials start coming our way. You know, maybe the car breaks down. Maybe you lose your job. Your mother passes away. You know, things start getting start to get a little rocky, and the wind starts blowing, and the waves start coming, and if you're tall like me, you look back, and that's a long way to fall. So this is what we do. You guys with me this morning? This is what we do. We want to lay down a a little cushion, right? Because, hey, if if we fall, we got to make sure we have something to catch us. And, and we decide, you know what? I'm not going to do anything crazy for God. I'm just going to get down here, live the nice Christian life. You know, I just want to, to raise my family in a nice gated community, not do anything wild, just go to church on Sundays, maybe give my 2%. Maybe, maybe serve in kids' kingdom. And then we look back. I trust you, Jesus. Now, now, honestly, you tell me, what is Jesus supposed to do with faith like that? Is he supposed to reward that type of routine? Is he supposed to reward that type of Christianity? You know, too often, we have total faith in God's will, 
except when it comes to raising our kids. You know, we've got total faith in God's will, except when it comes to finding a husband. I, I totally trust in God. How about this one? I totally trust in God, except in my finances. You know, we've got to start believing that God's plan is better than our plan. And we've got to start having faith that God's will for our kids and God's will for our finances or our spouse or our schooling or our job is better than our own plan. You know, I'm reminded of Peter. And when Jesus was walking out on the lake, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus's reply was simple. He said, come. And you know, Peter, uh, he did a trust fall out of the boat, right? He got out of the boat. You know what, brothers and sisters, it's time to get out of the boat in your walk with God. It's time to take a leap to trust in God and get out of the boat. It's time to start challenging the status quo, confronting the sin in our lives, and embracing our mission. And it's time to start surrendering to God's will. Amen? Point number two this morning is faith in God's word. You know, when I think about Jesus' habit of faith, I can't help but realize how heavily he relied on the word of God. You know, in the Gospels during his ministry, he quoted from 24 different books in the Old Testament. And I thought perhaps the most fitting is here in Matthew 4. In Matthew chapter 4, in verse 3, it says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, the word is what Jesus lived on. You know, he had faith that God's word could get him through any situation, any battle in his life, any trial that came his way. And even when he was face-to-face -face with Satan, he relied on God's word to carry him through. You know, brothers and sisters, do you have faith that God's word can get you through anything? You know what? Uh, towards the end of the summer, Janelle and I were, uh, were fortunate enough to, uh, to go on a vacation uh, to Italy. And uh, I'm not going to try and rub it in, but it was awesome. We had a great time. And, uh, you know, of course, one of, one of the, uh, the main places that you have to go in Italy uh, is in Rome. And uh, so we went to Rome. We got to see the Colosseum, uh, the Pantheon. Uh, we even got to see the prison uh, where supposedly Paul was imprisoned in Rome. 
and uh, it's called Maritime Prison. We got to go in, actually go down into the cell uh, where he was kept. Uh, you talk about a neat experience. That was uh, very cool. And, uh, you know, everywhere we went in Rome, though, uh, we had to take the bus. And uh, in Dallas, uh, we don't have a very big bus system. Uh, so when it comes to buses, I'm absolutely clueless. And needless to say, uh, our first day trying to get around in Rome was pretty rough. And uh, not to mention our, our first ride, our first day, uh, we're trying to get to the Colosseum, and all the bus drivers go on strike. And uh, you want to learn how to, uh, to have some conflict resolution in your marriage, uh, try navigating through a foreign city. And, you know, although it took us uh, a little while uh, to get used to it, by our last day there, I felt like I could get us anywhere in the city, uh, no problem. And uh, the reason isn't because uh, I got super familiar. Uh, you know, the reason isn't because I'm an expert uh, in, in Roman, uh, you know, Roman streets. The reason is because I learned to read the map. You know, God has given us his word to get us where we want to go. He has spelled out all the details. He's given us all the directions. And all you have to do is follow the map. But you know, unfortunately, faith for most Christians today doesn't come exclusively from God's word. You know, many people today just want to base their faith on feelings. You know, I know God's word says this, but this is how I feel. You know, the problem with feelings, though, is that they're always up and down, and they're never constant. Feeling close to God or feeling connected to God doesn't necessarily make it true. And I want you to uh, imagine you leave here and you're headed to lunch, right? And you're driving along the road, and all of a sudden you get this feeling, I need to make a right turn. And the, the GPS tells you to, to keep going straight, but you decide, hey, I'm going to take the right turn anyways. You know, you, you keep driving along, and you, you come to a red light. And you get this feeling, hey, I just need to go through this red light. Hey, the other cars are going to stop. I'll be fine. It seems pretty ridiculous, right? However, when we choose to follow our feelings over the word of God, that's exactly what we do. And you know what? Disaster is sure to await us. You know, another thing today many people want to base their faith on is experience, Right? Hey, I've been a disciple for 20 years, or I've been a disciple for 20 months. I've got experience coming out of my ears. You know, I think experiences can be very deceiving. And uh, I remember uh, studying the Bible with a guy one time, and I asked him how he became a Christian. And he told me he was saved because one night he saw Jesus while he was high. 
And I admit that was probably an experience uh, that he won't forget. But again, experiences can be very deceiving. You know, again, imagine you're headed to lunch. And, uh, and again, since you've got a lot of experience driving, you decide to just close your eyes, take a short nap, you'll get the rest of the way there just fine. Or imagine you're driving and you come upon a street that looks familiar. And, and you decide, you know what, this must be the right street to take. I've seen this street before. Uh, it's got to get me where I need to go. Brothers and sisters, the point is, is we can't allow our experiences to take precedent over the word of God. And you know, this last one may be the worst. Because another thing we want to base our faith off of is other people's opinions. And you know, it's tough because sometimes we can overvaluate other people's opinions and, and other relationships in our lives. You know, whether it's our family or our friends or whoever it is, we begin, you know, taking directions from them on how to navigate through life instead of relying on God's word. You know, many of them may be very sincere in their advice and sincere in their efforts to help us, but you know, sincerity doesn't necessarily create truth. You know, again, have you ever been trying to get somewhere and you ask someone for directions and they tell you the wrong way to go? And you know, the truth is you have no one to be upset with but yourself. Because all you got to do to get where you want to go is look at the map. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. You know, if it hasn't been made clear yet that God's word is what builds our faith, uh, this scripture should spell it out pretty well. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. You know, if you still don't get it after reading that verse, uh, you may need to go talk to the elders, right? Uh, that makes it pretty clear. And you know, how true is this verse? If the Bible doesn't inspire you to grow in your faith, you're simply not reading it enough. Because there are stories in the Bible that I could read every day because they constantly inspire me to do great things for God. You know, perhaps one of my favorite stories is the story of Gideon. And uh, if you haven't read the story of Gideon, you need to go to the book of Judges and have your faith inspired. Uh, because the story of Gideon is awesome. You know, God chooses Gideon to lead the Israelites against the Midianites. And Gideon says, hey, I'm... I'm the least in my family, and the least of the clans, and the least of the tribes of Israel. You know, I'm a nobody. But God chooses Gideon to go against the Midianites with only 300 men, no swords, only trumpets and glass jars. 
Now, you talk about a story that builds your faith. Uh, I love the story of Gideon. You know, maybe for you, uh, maybe it's Noah. You know, Noah's faith to build the ark in the desert. Or maybe it's Abraham. Abraham had the faith to sacrifice his own son, forfeiting God's promise. You know, you even think of Joshua or Moses, right? Leading God's people to the promised land. You know, my point is, the Bible is written to inspire great faith. You know, I even think about Stephen. You think about Stephen as he stands before the Sanhedrin. You know, full of faith and boldness. And he starts giving these reasons for his faith. And he starts going through the Old Testament. Going through story after story. And you know, Stephen was willing to face death for his faith. Because he held firmly to God's word. Brothers and sisters, what about you? Are you allowing God's word to build your faith? Let's turn to Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, verse 31, it says, At that time, some of the Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. But Jesus replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. And the third and final point this morning is faith to finish through. You know, Jesus had the faith that no matter what tried to prevent him or hold him back, he would finish the job. You know, there were many times uh, that, that things tried to get in the way. You know, I even think of uh, one time he had to tell Peter, get behind me, Satan. Yet eventually he made his way to the cross, and he got to say these words. It is finished. The job is done. You know, Jesus showed us exactly what it looks like to have the faith to finish the race. You know, obviously having faith in God's will or having faith in God's word is absolutely useless if it's only temporary. You know, what if Jesus got to the cross and he decided not to finish? You know, what if they're about to put the nail through his hand and he said, well, I did my part. God, aren't, aren't you proud? I followed most of your plan. You know, it sounds ridiculous. Yet that's exactly what we can tend to do in our walk with God. You know, I, 
I gave my contribution this morning, so I did my part. Now I can go to the Rangers game, right? You know, I shared my faith with one person this week, so I did my part. I'm sure God has a plan for everybody else. You know, I have faith that God is in control. He can reach them some other way. You know, again, I'm reminded of Peter. You know, although Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, he didn't finish. And the reason is because the wind and the waves started coming at him, and he began to sink. And again, brothers and sisters, those trials are going to start coming our way. And they're going to make us start to question God's plan and want to rely on our own plan. You know, when life gets hard, at times we want to go back to what's comfortable, right? You know, how many of you guys are excited about football season starting? Amen. That wasn't loud enough. You guys aren't really excited about football? Uh, you know, I love football season, right? You know, the, the, the weekend is great uh, all times of the year, but in football season, it's even greater, right? You know, uh, every time I watch, uh, you know, football on TV, it just reminds me of uh, when I played football in high school, right? And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't very good, but I loved to play. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's something about going out onto the field and hearing the crowd cheering, uh, hearing the band playing, you know, just uh, hearing the helmets clashing. It's just awesome. You know, when I was uh, in high school playing football, my brother was on the wrestling team. And uh, I had never wrestled before, but, uh, but I went by uh, to watch him practice one day. And, uh, and the coach uh, told me, hey, you should, you should jump in and try it out. And, uh, and so I said, hey, mama didn't raise no punk. So, <laughs> so I decided to try it out. And, uh, you know, I started going to practices. And by the end of the first week, I think I had lost like 10 pounds. Because wrestling practice is a lot harder than football practice. And uh, honestly, I only lasted about two weeks uh, before I said, hey, I'm going back to football. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just felt more comfortable uh, playing with the team than an individual sport, right? I felt more comfortable wearing the pads than the leotard. Uh, it's a big difference there. You know, and, and overall, I just felt more comfortable playing football because, hey, that's what I knew, right? That's what I was familiar with. And I think, again, sometimes this is how it can be in our relationship with God. You know, you read something that challenges your faith. And uh, you, you decide to make some changes, right? You decide to get radical. But when things get tough, you want to go back to what's comfortable. You know, I'll just go back to my old way of life. It's a little more familiar to me. You know, brothers and sisters, we've got to have faith to finish. Because if the waves haven't come yet, just wait because they will. You know, one day Satan will hit you and just keep on driving. You know, this is what it may look like. You know, these are some typical waves 
that may keep us from finishing through. You know, some enemies to, to the habit of faith. Number one, you've never done this before. It can't be done by you, so why keep trying? Number two, you've tried in the past and failed, so why try again? Don't set yourself up for another emotional letdown. Number three, you've got more urgent needs to consider in life, like your job, home, car, school, or even bills. Number four, hey, you deserve a break today and tomorrow and the next day. How about this one, number five? You've served so much, it's time to allow others to serve you. Surely not. Number six, nobody else really lives according to the Bible. They just say they do. This one hurts. Number seven, you aren't that important to the church. That's why no one's called you. And number eight, you know, if God really cared about you, then blank. You fill in the blank. You know, Satan is going to lie to us and tell us what we want to hear to go back to where we're comfortable. And, and we can't allow these constant waves from Satan to throw us off course. You know, one of my favorite uh, hobbies is running. And uh, I did my first marathon last year in December. And uh, I, you can ask the campus. I, I throw running into all my lessons because I love running. And, uh, you know, the, the first thing that happens when you finish a race, whether it's a marathon or a 5K, whatever it is, the first thing that happens, everybody's talking about your time, right? Hey, what's your time? Hey, how did you do? And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool now. Online, uh, you can go uh, to, to a website, and they'll post your time for your race. And uh, you can see how you ranked uh, compared to other people in your age group. And uh, could be encouraging, could be discouraging, I guess, depends on how you do. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it's got the time on there. And if you keep scrolling to the bottom of the page, those numbers turn into letters. And those letters are D-N-F, which stands for did not finish. And uh, you want to talk about embarrassing. Uh, try going up to somebody and asking them, hey, how'd you do this weekend? D-N-F, man, D-N-F. You know, and, and it's, it's sad to think about. You know, anybody can go and sign up for a race. And, uh, you know, anybody can get out there and start running, but not everybody can finish. You know, how about you? Will you have faith that endures? Will you have faith that sees it through to the end? You know, like Jesus, will you push through the trials and push through the waves 
and sacrifice your comfortability in order to finish the race. Let's close out in Matthew chapter 8. You know, you've heard it said many times that faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. You know, here in Matthew chapter 8, the centurion, uh, he comes to Jesus. And I think he gives us a good idea of, of what this looks like. You know, being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. Because he comes to Jesus uh, because his servant's paralyzed, right? And Jesus asks, hey, should I, should I come to your home and heal the man? But the centurion says no. He says, Jesus, you say the word and my servant will be healed. You know, this is how Jesus responded in verse 13. Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. You know, what a radical faith. You know, the centurion shows us that faith has to visualize before it can actualize. You know, he shows us what that really means. Hey, being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. I think sometimes as men, we want to say, hey, seeing is believing. Or, hey, I'll believe it when I see it, right? Or show me and I'll believe. But you see, God's different. <laughs> God doesn't work that way. Instead, God says, believe, and I'll show you. You know, he told the centurion, let it be done just as you believed it would. And I think that can really go either way. He's saying, hey, it's going to be done whichever way you believe it will be. Because our faith in God has got to be a mental reality before it can become a physical reality. Brothers and sisters, if we want to follow God's will, we got to visualize God's will in our lives. If we want to follow God's word, hey, we got to open it up and actually visualize God's word before it can actualize in our lives. And brothers and sisters, I call you to visualize this. Visualize finishing the race. And visualize standing before the judge and hearing these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Brothers and sisters, I hope we can embrace today Jesus' habit of faith and put it into every aspect of our lives, helping us to build all the rest of the habits that we've talked about. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come to you so grateful 